Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well back from the United States, back here in Medellin, Rebel Capitalists Live. We had our collective mastermind group. Absolutely incredible. But let's dive into a huge topic. If you saw the thumbnail, you see that the money supply is crashing in the United States. So this leads to the question we have to ask, are we facing a deflationary doom loop? a deflationary bust. Now, I know for a lot of you, that is blasphemous (laughs) to even mention the word deflation because it's hyperinflation, hyperinflation, hyperinflation. But do we need to take a second look at that overall framework? Let's dive right into a few charts here, and we'll go over what I'm referring to specifically. First and foremost, let's look at that thumbnail. And here we go. I guess we can zoom in. We'll go over the last year, and you can see that deposits, just look at deposits here, have gone down and gone down a bunch. I mean, we peak out at 8.18.1 trillion, excuse me. Now, I mean, look at especially starting in March. Something happened. Josh, do you remember what happened in March? Uh, Definitely no banking crisis. Oh, that's right. <laughs> no banking crisis. So we're going to circle back to this in just a moment. But we see deposits plummet, just absolutely tank. So if the definition of inflation is an increase or an expansion in the money supply, is the definition of deflation a contraction in the money supply? And You guys know, if you're on Twitter especially, that if you even mention the word inflation, you're going to get about 45 responses from all of these trolls saying, or if you even talk about inflation being consumer prices, you get about 45 immediate replies from trolls sitting there saying, "Eh, the definition of inflation is the expansion of the money supply, dumbass. It's not in consumer prices. The consumer prices are just a result. And it's usually these people that, let's be honest, usually they identify, whether they are or not, they identify as Bitcoiners, gold bugs, Austrians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that this is the way the Austrian school looks at it, but these are the people, you know who I'm talking about, right? And these are the people that are usually saying that we're going to have hyperinflation in three months. In fact, I'm going to bet a million dollars that we're going to have hyperinflation in the next three months. Why? Money printer go burr. Because they're going to print trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. So if we have this expansion of the money supply, by definition, that is inflation. Josh, have you ever heard that argument before? Never in my life. (laughs) Ah, oh, we got to have some fun with it in my first video back on a Monday morning. So again, for those people out there, and, and the, ways, the reason I'm harping on these folks, giving them a hard time, is just as, to prompt people to actually think this stuff through, right? But also, usually those people are, the, uh, are in the inflation camp, right? And I'm not saying they're right or wrong. But they're usually the ones that are pounding the table for inflation, if not hyperinflation. But when we have a decrease in the money supply, they're always silent. You never hear them say, oh, the the, the definition for deflation isn't consumer prices going down. 
It's a contraction in the money supply. Therefore, right now we have deflation. You never see hear them talking about that. They only talk about it if inflate or if the uh, money supply is expanding. Now all of a sudden they're kind of hush hush, right? So my point there, my main point is to show that the money supply is actually decreasing. And if you are someone that kind of uh, agrees with the definition that they put forth that inflation or deflation actually has to do with money supply, then you have to admit we've got deflation right now. In fact, over the last year, we've had massive deflation. But wait a minute. Prices have not gone down. Prices, consumer prices, have gone up. So maybe, just maybe, it's possible to have the money supply decreasing while consumer prices are going up. And maybe, just maybe, it's possible to have the money supply increasing while consumer prices are going down. Again, if you're in the Bitcoin camp, if you buy Bitcoin exclusively because there's only going to be 21 million, and therefore, that has to produce deflation. It's, it's, it's deflationary money, for heaven's sakes. Okay, well, maybe it is deflationary money. That doesn't mean that consumer prices can't go up. The last year in the United States a perfect example. Deposits, M2, M1, however you want to measure it, has gone from, let's call it 18 trillion down to 17 trillion. But yet consumer prices have gone up. And as you guys know from watching my videos in the late 1800s, the money supply increased by 400% from 1870 to 1900. But what did prices do? Went down by 50%. So there is a little bit of nuance here that we need to pay attention to. But let's get back to the original question. Are we headed for a deflationary doom loop? Let me show you guys what this looks like. We're going to go right to the whiteboard and my incredible artistic ability. <laughs> I just threw quickly. I threw this together quickly for the sake of this video. So we got banks up here at the top. Now, if we have bank lending going down. Unfortunately, the the economy that we are in is heavily dependent upon credit. Therefore, if bank lending goes down, that means less money going to the corporations, the business, the private sector for productivity. So you have less productivity funded. Therefore, likely they start firing employees. You have the unemployment rate go up. The economy gets even worse. Therefore, productivity goes down even further and the banks lend less and you just have this doom loop. So are we in this cycle right now? Is this chart a reflection of what I just drew up on the whiteboard? Yes and no. Yes, it is true that you would likely, it, all else being the same, of course there's fiscal and there's all these things that the government can do, but setting that aside, if we have bank lending crashing, we have the money supply crashing, that most likely would lead to much higher rates of unemployment and a recession, if not economic depression, and consumer prices, let me put it this way, downward pressure on consumer prices. Whether they would actually go down or not is another uh, topic of discussion, and how long would they go down? Remember in 2009, in 2009, they did go down, but only for one quarter. But you would definitely 
see asset prices going down in this type of environment. But there's also something else, some more nuance we have to think through. Because remember that if we go over to loans and leases, which I've got somewhere here, let's take a look at that over the last year. Let's say going back to March, it's flatlined. So this is really interesting because one man's spending is another man's income. So how can we have deposits going down those, if I'm drawing down my deposit account to pay someone else, then their deposit account is going up. So how is that possible? Well, one way it's possible is if you are taking those deposits to pay a bank, right? Let's say you're paying off a loan. You have a loan with Wells Fargo and you have an account with Wells Fargo. And let's just say your loan is $100,000. You got $100,000 in your checking account and you say, Wells Fargo, I'm paying off that $100,000 loan. So what happens on the balance sheet? Well, your checking account balance goes to zero. And then that loan, the asset on their balance sheet is completely paid off. Okay, so that would decrease the deposits. Now, let's just say for a moment that you borrowed money, not from Wells Fargo, but you borrowed money from the average Joe. Well, you would pay Joe the $100,000 that you owe him. The bank would decrease your account balance by $100,000, but they would increase the account balance of Joe by $100,000. You see what just happened? So if you're paying a non-bank entity, i.e. Joe, it does not impact deposits. It's the same. It's a net wash. You're decreasing one, increasing the other. But if you pay a bank, now all of a sudden, you're decreasing deposits. And I want to point out, it isn't just if you're paying back debt. Let's just say that you're buying a treasury from a bank. It'd be the exact same thing. You could buy anything. You could buy a car. <laughs> you could buy food from, from J.P. Morgan, which actually isn't that funny because we might have to do that <laughs> in, the very, in the very near future. But regardless, they would just decrease. The, the payment would be decreasing the liability side of their balance sheet uh, and therefore increase. Well, it wouldn't completely decrease the liability side because it would just take from their deposit liabilities and it would go down to their uh, equity liability, which is basically increasing their capital. It's basically increasing the value of the bank. Okay. So again, just to be clear, if you're paying a non-bank, no impact on deposits. If you're paying a bank, it's going to decrease deposits and then vice versa. If a bank is buying a treasury from the average Joe, that's not even lending. That's still going to increase M2, going to increase deposits. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level.
So the main point here, let's go back to this, is if we see a contraction in the money supply, which we have, going back to deposits here, it doesn't necessarily mean that it takes us into a deflationary doom loop. Now, again, if you define deflation as a contraction of the money supply, absolutely, then we've got deflation. We've had it for the last year. And if you're one of those people that says inflation is an expansion, got to be consistent here because the decrease in money supply didn't happen as a result of the assets going down on the aggregate balance sheet. So let's think about this. If they took their deposits, say the consumers here that make up uh, M2, M1, and they traded those deposits for treasuries, has this impacted their purchasing power? No, because this these are deposits they would have had in a savings account. And th that's those savings account dollars aren't out there chasing goods and services. That's savings, right, by definition. It's not out ch chasing goods and services. So they're just ch trading one form of savings for another. They're trading the savings account or a T-bill, let's say, or a money market fund. So although this may decrease deposits, it doesn't necessarily increase or decrease purchasing power. And therefore, as of right now, in my opinion, it has not taken us into that deflationary doom loop. Now, will we go into a deflationary doom loop? The yield curve is saying yes. There's a very, very high probability. Now, how will the central planners respond to that? You guys know. Monetary policy, they're going to take the fire hose and just unload, <laughs> right? Then money printer's going to go burr. But between now and then, what happens? I mean, let's look at the Fed's balance sheet. Because you could sit there and argue, well, George, base money's going up, and that means it's uh, we're still... You know, we're still in the, the realm of inflation because that would include or that would be a part of money supply. But if you actually look at the Fed's balance sheet um, assets, here we go. We can see that the Fed's balance sheet down as well. So no matter whether you're looking at base money or broad money, we're still going down. But again, one of the main reasons I'm doing this video is to show you that there's some extreme nuance here. So what should you be looking at to determine when or if we are going into this deflationary doom loop. Well, you got to look at loans and leases. Once this starts to go down, at the same time, deposits are going down, then you know it's something that could take us into that deflationary doom loop because the point of that deflationary doom loop is purchasing power, right? It's going to be purchasing power. And if the banks themselves see purchasing power go down or the effects of purchasing power go down, they're going to become tighter with money, which takes us right into that circle that we were referring to. But if we don't see the economic impacts of a decrease in purchasing power, which is represented by a decrease in money supply, it means we're not there yet. But once this starts going down, I'm using my arrow here, and once it, and assuming that this happens at the same time when those deposits are going down, that tells you that purchasing power is going down. And you say, well, George, the opposite side of the balance sheet, the although the asset side of the aggregate balance sheet is going down, the liability side would go down as well. Therefore, their borrowing capacity would increase. And I would agree. But you're assuming that they're going to be able to borrow. 
And we have to remember what Snyder talks about all the time, what Milton Friedman teaches us. And just because we have low interest rates, it doesn't necessarily mean that money's loose. It just means it's cheap. Those are two completely separate things. So if we go into this environment that we're talking about, although the assets would be decreasing, the liabilities would be decreasing, which would increase the borrowing capacity, I'd say you can have all the borrowing capacity in the whole wide world, but the banks ain't going to give you a dime. <laughs> and that means that we're going to have, that we could see some big, uh, some big problems as far as recession, if not economic depression, that would lead to consumer prices potentially going down, but definitely asset prices going down. And then it's just a question of how does the government respond? All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.